Welcome to Fuck Your Disorder. My name is Amanda Hess. I am a certified life coach. And when I decided to ditch my disorder and love myself instead, I finally started enjoying my life. It turns out love fixes a lot more problems than hate. You can't hate yourself better because the truth is you are already perfect. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. You are in for a special treat today. I have a friend and colleague who I've known for quite a long time now. Her name is Cindy Thaxton. She is a teen and young adult coach and parent mentor. She is my go-to person when I am having parenting issues. And uh, I really am just so excited to have you here. Cindy, thank you so much for saying yes to coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be such a great conversation. I, as anybody listening to this podcast should know, have kids of my own. I have a 16-year-old and I have a 12-year-old. And um, parenting is a pretty wild and crazy adventure. And I think it was made even more wild and crazy with COVID, the pandemic, all of the different things that have gone on for our kids. But I was really thinking about the people that listen to this podcast, you know, for those of you that are listening, that are parents or that have, you know, teenagers or young adults in your life. And I really wanted to bring on a different perspective. And so maybe where we can start, Cindy, is maybe just start by sharing what it is that you do. Sure, sure. So um, what I do now has pretty much been the same for the past seven years, and it is primarily coaching the teenagers, and it evolved into young adults also, but um, teens and young adults directly, but always, always, always including um, support for the parents because I have coached teens before, and if the parent, like myself, like in the past, didn't have the tools or the approach to actually build and keep and foster a connection with their teens. And they were really in the dark and the problem just kept reoccurring. So I could work with teens all day long, but if the parents didn't have the right approach, the teens would still push them away and that the problem would just keep, you know, coming back. So I've always included um, parent support because that's what I needed when my teen was in trouble and I couldn't seem to find it. So I'm mostly, you know, privately coaching, starting group programs now for teens um, to just expand my reach. But um, yeah, that's what I do now. So coaching directly with them. I think that's such like such important work. You know, I look at my experience with my own kids. I see, you know, other relatives, kids that are in my influence, um, women that I coach that have kids. And, you know, it is a complicated thing for both sides. Yeah, it really is. It's complicated when you don't understand it, right? When you haven't studied this, like for the past seven years, like I was forced to figure this stuff out because my teen needed help and I didn't know how to help her. And, you know, I couldn't, you know, reflect on my upbringing, you know, my parents, my parent, my upbringing and my parents were in a completely different world and they were just, you know, young, like 19 when they had me and when they were raising me, it was a completely different world. I had nothing to go to, but books and stuff. And it was really complicated. So everything that I did at first was to help my own kids and to become the parent that I wanted to be. Um, and then as I started to implement what I was learning, I was like, wow, everybody needs to know this, you know? 
Yeah. Well, you have three kids, right? Yep. I have three kids. Um, teens. Well, one, my oldest just turned 20. So wow. I have uh, 17, 18, and 20. Yeah. So That's... two in college and one as a senior in high school. So three in a row. Yeah. So you're really kind of like in the middle of the trenches even now with respect to teenage young adults. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's ever evolving. It doesn't change. And it's, you know, it's interesting. They're going to go on and do what they have to do. They're going to go through every phase of life as they grow and evolve. And, you know, I have to also in parallel because it's different, you know, Raising your kid, going through middle school, then high school, like launching them into college is a completely different approach. (laughs) It requires, you know, a lot of trust. So constantly grow. I think growing for parents, parents are growing just as much as the kids. I totally agree with you. And, you know, we live in a completely, like you say, a completely different world than what our parents um, kind of went through, you know. When I think about, I mean, I would be considered a Gen Xer, right? So when I think about growing up, I mean, I didn't have the typical experience of maybe being a latchkey kid because my mom was a stay-at-home mom. But what I will say is that my mom was not a stay-at-home mom in the way that people are stay-at-home moms now. So (laughs) there was a lot of hands off that went on in my house. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Same, you know, same. they drove us to the things like I figure skated and my brother, you know, he was doing hockey. And then when we moved to the country, we had horses and I worked at the stable that was down the road and my mom had her horses there. And she's very involved in my life in a way that she ensured that I had the opportunity to do things and sitting around at home was a definite no. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, my parents did not live their lives through my achievements, right? So I I don't know, there was more trust, but yet I was like, I was a very rule following kid. So I lived in fear of my parents. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that is the truth. I I was very fearful. It was a very authoritative household. And so I really noticed how that negatively impacted me late, later in life. That whole authoritative model, being a good girl, getting A's, having the right answer, making sure other people are happy so that you're not unsafe, so they don't like freak out on you. That doesn't really serve you when you become an adult. No. Right? So what did that, what did that create in, in your parenting? Did you swing completely to the opposite side or are you somewhere in the middle? Well, it's been an interesting journey. Like what I would say, I was really thinking about this the other day because before I found coaching, I very much just emulated what my parents did. I didn't see the problem with it. Um, To me, it it seemed right. Like my parents spanked me, so I'd spank my kids. Like that was just what you did. Like I turned out okay, so why not, right? And I've heard so many people say these types of words. I'm sure you have too, right? And then- It was kind of when I found coaching, it was when, you know, it was when my mental health was like really in a precarious place. And I was just really, really struggling with me and coping and, you know, having big emotional swings and really feeling dissatisfied and unhappy with my life. And so when I found coaching and I hired my first coach, And started realizing that who and how I was was okay and that we don't always need to be striving for perfection and that 
just being here and present is enough. I realized that that is not how I wanted to parent my kids at all. Yeah. Wanting your kids to be afraid of you. And, you know, when you know what you know now, after being through coaching and healing and everything, it's like, oh, like it really, it becomes so clear, right? Yeah. The relationship that I had with my parents was not healthy. You know, Mm -hmm. it was respectful, but it wasn't, um, I don't think authentic, you know, Mm -hmm. very surface level, you know, and even to this day, like the, the conversations are very surface level. Like you don't get very deep. I only recently started realizing that with my, my dad, who's the only one left is like, I don't really know much about him. We really never had any nice, deep conversations. I just, I took him to lunch the other day and I was like, I don't really know anything about you. Like, that's not how I want this relationship to end, you know? Um, but my parent, my parenting is opposite. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I don't let my kids know things that would put them in a situation where they have to be responsible or take care of me in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't share those kind of things, but, you know, I'm very transparent with what I've been through and how I overcame it as a way to model, um, you know, life. Yeah. Right. I don't hide things from my kids because I want them to, to know that I'm human and, you know, been through things and I've made mistakes and I've survived them and I've bounced back from them. I become better because of them. I don't want to be perfect. Yeah. Guys, you know, so I think that's the kind of relationship you can have when you have the tools and the skills and, and you've done the work on yourself to be able to, you know, without shame and, and be, you know, be honest and be authentic with your kids. I was just thinking that when you were talking, how I feel that you've really led with authenticity, with respect to this. Um, You know, I think a lot of times people come on and they're parenting experts and they have a lot of theory to back it up. And then we do live in a society where it's kind of like the pretty picture, right? In that, oh, well, I mean, I'm a good parent if my kids are successful and if they're, you know, respectful and if they, you know, on from the outside looking in look good. Um, But we both know that's not the reality. And I think anybody that's a parent knows that's not the reality, especially once you have teenagers, because very real things hit your doorstep and they come kind of out of nowhere. Like you don't even know they're coming. Yeah. And then you're kind of left like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, I don't know what's going on right now. Like, I've just been like a pile of bricks has just landed on my head. Um, So I really appreciate that about you because I think that it lends, you know, I'm trying to think of the word, but it's so authentic and it makes you feel comfortable to be in your presence and to be able to say this very real thing is happening and know that you understand that. And that you also get that this isn't a getting your kids to a perfect place and kids don't need to be performative. And it isn't about, it's kind of not about you. It's about it them. It's not about us at all. And, you know, I've said this before, you know, per, you know, parenting expert is the biggest oxymoron you could possibly create because there is no way to be an expert in parenting. It's, it's so unique. You can't possibly predict, you know, what's yeah. going to happen 
in your life, in their life, in their circumstances, between your personality, your upbringing, their interpretation, their, you know, experience, just the era that they're growing up in, you know, generational gaps. Like there's just so many factors. We can't possibly be an expert in parenting, but we can try to be an expert in the relationship that we have with our kids. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. really what it is. It's about our relationship. Um, and it's about being willing to explore what's going on inside of you as you're parenting and not, you know, use your kid, especially your teen as the scapegoat for why you're feeling the way you're feeling. So that, that is, you know, I think the key is we start to get to a place where we we have these little babies and they look up to us and we, you know, our ego gets filled and our, our significance, our need for significance is, is, you know, full and they need us and they listen to what we say and they look up to us and, and all of that. And, you know, our egos are exploding. Then all of a sudden, just in perfect timing, you know, <laughs> they hit the phase of individuation, like they're supposed to, where they're really curious to know how they fit into the world outside of their family. And they start to push us away and they start to, you know, look more towards their peers. And today with social media, it's all in their face. So it's so accessible for them to see, you know, how other people live. And um, it's not necessarily true, but their perception is their reality. So to them, it's true. Um, You know, but if we start to feel that fear, like, oh my gosh, like they're pushing me away. Like, and then we're losing our significance and we're losing our connection and all of the fear comes into the parenting. Then we start demanding respect, demanding, you know, mm. you know, help. And it just, the it just pushes them further and further away. Right. There's just, yeah, this- it's so gross. Right. When you think about it, like, would you have that kind of relationship with an adult? And the answer is of course, no, or at least I hope it's no. Um, but when there are children, I it is very fascinating. Like I think the point where I've come to in parenting my teen is that once they're there, right? Like once they are a teenager, you're more of a consultant <laughs> and less of a like you don't have that physical control that you once had. And you have to understand that there's a very real living human being with emotions behind that face. And you don't know what, you don't know anything. Like what, and what I mean by that is not like, you know, cause I do get mad sometimes when my teenager like pretends like clearly I'm the stupidest person on the universe. Right. But <laughs> it's my favorite. Like I actually have done this before, but um, it's more so like, we don't get curious about what's happening for them. And then when we do get curious and they don't know how to access it, they don't know how to explain it. Then we get triggered. Like you say, like we feel an emotion like frustration. Um, and then that's when it turns sideways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is this like interesting thing that that I notice. not you know, always everything is with me first. I notice everything with me first. And then as I work with more and more families, like I, I recognize the patterns um, and the similarities, but, you know, we, we kind of forget, you know, we kind of forget to put ourselves in their shoes and, um, re, you know, re- realize what we knew at that age and what our capacity was of understanding things and making sense out of things. Like we didn't know it all. And as parents, sometimes we expect that our kids are on the same page and that they, 
you know, can think like we think and know what we know. We have all of that wisdom and hindsight and experience. We forget that they don't have that. And it's okay for them to be, you know, forgetful um, teenagers who just don't have the experience, you know. That's why it's like so important to not take these things personally because it actually is a normal part of growth when you realize that their brains are not even close to developed yet. And the hormones that are pumping through their body are really controlling, you know, their emotions. If we make that natural, you know, process wrong, then they're like, you know, trying to fight against themselves. And then now they're responsible for our feelings and our emotions. Now they're on eggshells and they don't know, you know, what to do. So they try to people please us or they try to, you know, or they just give up and they push us away completely because they have no idea how to handle our emotions or get our approval as we're going through all of this. But we just need to remember that, that, you know, they're not on the same page as we are at all. No. And I also think like our kids are not a project. Like that's the one thing that I kind of see is that, and I, I, I I think that I see it because I see the drive underneath of me, um, that need for perfection, that, that drive for, external validation um of other people seeing me as as being a good mother um as not being able to handle the idea that my kids might not always succeed and that they might experience a lot of failure and you know i think that one thing that i notice in my own coaching when i coach others and like something that came up for me i had a past guest she's a spin instructor her name is tash She's amazing. And uh, when I took spin instructor training from her, one thing that really stood out for me was the way that she gives you the confidence is by being like such a cheerleader. Like she's like, you're awesome. You're amazing. You're so great. I love you. These are all the things I love about you. You're terrific. Right. And I was like, oh, like, Hey, you don't get that very often from anybody. Like it feels real good, right? Like that just like real push of like positive energy. And so I've noticed that like in coaching my clients, that is partially my job. It's a big part of my job. But I think as parents, it's also our job, like to be like, you're awesome. You're so great at this. I think you're fantastic. These are the qualities I love about you. Mm -hmm. I think we forget that we're supposed to do that for our teenagers. You know, that, that is so tricky. I, I want to say that's so tricky be- because of social media, right? It's not just our teens who are influenced by, by it, you know, looking at high, highlight reels, comparing themselves to others, you know, believing everything that anybody says just because it's on the internet. Like they're not the only people who are victims of that. We are too, as parents, we have all of these experts, you know, telling us what to do and not to do. And, you know, all these, you know, influencers, showing us their perfect families with their perfect kids and all the success that they have. So we fall into that unconsciously too, into the same trap. And, you know, a lot of the parenting experts really were hard on parents for giving those, you know, participation trophies and, you know, putting them on pedestals and encouraging them, creating like entitled, you know, kids who thought so much of themselves. Right. So it is tricky. Like, when you're trying to be a cheerleader, there is a tactic, like it's more of, um, I like to think of it as a, the spotlight, like being a spotlight mm-hmm. that shines a light on their greatness and, yeah. and pointing out examples for them because they can't see it in themselves. 
like pointing out examples, like, wow, I really love how hard you worked on that. Like always focusing on the effort, not the outcome, right? I really love how hard you worked on that. Um, you know, it doesn't even matter what you get. Like, look at you. You're so, you know, um, discipline. You're, you know, who, who doesn't matter that you have ADHD, you get it done. Look at you. Let's celebrate the fact that you get it done. No matter what you're committed, you're dedicated. Like, mm-hmm. I love that about you. You don't have to have it done at three o'clock. You had it done at 3am. Good for you. Like you found a way to get it done. Like just trying to point out to them that there is no perfect and that, you know, their way is, is fine, you know? And, and I just yeah. think shining that spotlight on, how they get it done, you know, or how they work towards things or where they work hard. Like that's like shining that spotlight. Like it doesn't, there's no right or wrong, right? You're a human being. Love that. I love that idea of shining the spotlight. And I agree with you because I don't think you should be inauthentic and cheering your kid on like, oh, you came in last, but that's still awesome. No kid is even going to receive that because they're going to know that's not true. Right. So it's not that. It's more like also finding the qualities that you really like in your kids. They have them. You could guide them, right? Yeah. You know, like it's like, oh, well, you know, I really like that you're super funny or I really enjoy these certain things that you do. Like, you know, my kids are so different. I'm sure yours are too. So my oldest one is, is kind of more responsible and, and he's, it's interesting though. He is somewhat intuitive. Like he can sense when like, I'm not maybe having a great day and he'll like come and just sort of hang out with me and chill with me. And then Mm -hmm. my little one is like my little touchy feely one, my little one, he's like 12. He's not that little, but to me, (laughs) I guess he'll always be my little one, but he like is the one that'll always come up and be like giving me a hug. And like, he likes to touch and like be present and really that's who he is. And you know, I just, I think it's interesting when we talk about having entitled kids and I think entitlement doesn't come from encouragement though. Entitlement comes from almost believing like the world isn't fair and the world should somehow like fall into place around you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or just like, I guess the accountability part, like not taking responsibility for, mm-hmm. you know, for yourself, for your actions, for your outcomes, right? Yeah. Like it's not all positive, like that's for sure. And I, I think it's worthwhile. I'm glad you said that because like, I, I can tell you like from a personal experience with my own teen recently, there was parent teacher. It wasn't great. Um, There was some feedback that was a little surprising and, you know, we were able to address it though, in a fairly positive way from the standpoint of like, look, this is happening and this needs to stop. And this is why, Mm -hmm. and here's what needs to happen going forward. And we're going to implement these positive things. Like, you know, even just engaging him back in the school, a teacher had suggested, which I thought was so great because I had a meeting with her and we talked about the fact that my kid was ADHD and it's really interesting in my province, it's not viewed as um, a disability. So you don't get any extra like whatever they called it an IP when I was in Alberta, I forget what they call it here, but you don't have that here with that particular diagnosis. So I'm not a real fan of diagnosis. I know everybody knows that. I mean, listen, (laughs) you know, the name of my podcast, but what I will say is that I notice sometimes the way we notice the way our kids' brains work, right. And we can see that 
there's just certain things in the classroom that don't really work for them. And that happens in his class. And so I was talking to his teacher about what's going on. And she suggested, you know, to get him back engaged in the school because he was just disengaging. Um, That part of the, you know, plan that we would put in place is he would join a club at the school, right? So you're going to join a club at the school. You're not taking multiple bathroom breaks all day long. <laughs> Don't know what that's all about. That stops. And, uh, you know, you you can still work at your job. And as long as those things are all happening and, you know, going well, and you're still the efforts being put in. And if there's a disconnect, we're having a conversation, they all get to stay in place. But all of those pieces have to be together. And then if they one of them falls off, then there's a conversation and like maybe it's then you don't have your bike, right? And we take away your computer from your room and you no longer get to have your phone outside of the kitchen and like, you know, things like that. But it was just very, I think it was really interesting for me and I would love your thoughts on it, but just implementing something really positive though. It's like, hey, I want you to be connected to the school. So we're going to like join a club. (laughs) Just going to do that. Yeah, I think that's a, it's, you know, what I'm hearing is, um, you know, when I see teens, you know, behaviors changing and then, you know, getting in trouble or teachers calling out or parents coming to me saying, you know, I don't know what's going on. She was cheating. She never cheats, you know, or I don't know, you know, what's going on. Like, you know, I had, you know, a client who made a bad choice and, you know, did a TikTok with a friend about a teacher and then got suspended. And then from that point on, I just kept spiraling. She just kept, kept making bad choices. I don't know what's wrong with her. She used to be my, you know, good kid, right? Like, so all <laughs> these labels and stuff and, you know, the behavior changes no matter what it is, like no matter how their behavior is changing, it's information for us. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we quick jump in and try to judge it or fix it without trying to understand it, um, I think we're not giving them an opportunity to help themselves to redirect wow. on their own of what they actually need and want. So, you know, behavior changes are signs of two things. Either they're trying to meet needs that are not being met. Right. And you have those six human needs or need for significance. So if they're not fitting in in school, they're, you know, desperately trying to be funny or be bad or do anything to try to fit in to gain significance. Right. Or a need for certainty, cheating. Like I have to pass this test or I'm going to disappoint my parents. Like, so there's no way. Like I, you know, I have whatever problems I got to cheat. Like, so certainty. And then all the other things like connection and, you know, contribution, trying to be a part of things. Like if a child isn't feeling like they're, you know, a part of a clique or a group or something like good to get them into a club, but they'll find a, an unhealthy group, an unhealthy, you know, community <laughs> to be in, yeah. just to be involved in something and not be alone by themselves. And the other yeah. thing that could be happening is they're trying to cope with something that's going on in their world that they don't have coping mechanisms for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, their behavior is really information. And that's the thing about if we take it personally, And we think, you know, what's wrong with you? You know better than that. Like, that's not how I raised you. Like, oh, this is our ego now saying like, I'm I'm a good parent. Like, what is wrong with them? You know, why are you such a bad kid when I'm such a good parent? Right. You should know better. Like, that's not what we do. Like, you know, like then all of a sudden that just adds another layer on top of them that they have to navigate without even really understanding why their behavior is changing. They don't really know consciously why they're changing their behavior, you know, that they're trying to meet. It's, it's just natural. Right. So I think, 
you know, just, hey, what's going on? I noticed X, Y, Z. I mm-hmm. noticed that you're disengaged. I noticed that you're, you know, um, I know how smart you are. I know that you're capable. Like, what's going on with the cheating? You know, you could tell me about it. Like, it's okay. Right. Just giving them space and getting really curious with the behavior um, before you make any, you know, assumptions or decisions about why it's changing. Right. So I think that's so true. Sorry, I totally interrupted you up there. Yeah. So that, you know, you just don't know. You don't know what's going on in their world. They could have seen something on the internet. They could mm-hmm. be having trouble at school. Um, it could be something with that teacher. You know, it could be their own belief system changing, you know, like how they feel towards themselves. Like there's so much that could be happening at such a volatile age, right? Well, I always think about how hard school really is because, listen, you got to get up not because you want to get up, because you have to get up. Um, You need to get dressed. Now you've got to get on a bus with a bunch of kids that maybe you don't like, um, that maybe it's overwhelming for you. Who knows? Like, I mean, you're just on a bus. Like most of us don't go on the bus on purpose. Like we get driver's licenses and we get cars. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's just the beginning of their day. Then they got to go and they've got a bell that tells them when they've got to be somewhere. And then regardless of how you're feeling or how your day is going, you are going to participate in class. You are going to do this work in class. You are going to get it done. You are going to understand it. And if you don't understand it and you're feeling overwhelmed, you're going to figure that out on your own. And if you need help, you're going to ask for help, even though you're like 16 and your 16-year-old brain is like, I just don't want to do this. This sucks, right? Yeah, exactly. Or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not good enough, or everybody's watching me, or people are judging yeah. me, or you know, I'm not pretty enough, or whatever. They're laughing. They must be laughing about me. Like There's so much going mm-hmm. on inside a teen's mind while they're at school. Most of, most of the time, they're in survival mode. They're yeah. in a stress response for the entire day. They get home, they're so drained from just surviving the day, you know, emotionally that, you know, they shut down or they Mm -hmm. rest or they, you know, they're not, you know, unless they have the opposite response, which is fight. So then they'll fight to be perfect. They'll fight to get their homework done. They'll fight to get that A. They'll fight, you know, and they'll keep fighting, Mm -hmm. but that's still a stress response. Yeah. Well, it does seem... I mean, you're always striving for that A and you never get it very often, even if you are really smart, not to say that if you don't get an A, you're not smart, but even if you've really figured it out and you know the class and you know the material, I mean, still getting an A can sometimes be challenging. Just you read the question wrong or whatever. Like I do think about it. I mean, like how often in our regular day-to-day life now are we being perpetually (laughs) evaluated? Right. Right. I I really don't, I don't like the whole, you know, emphasis on the grade. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I think it drives them to, you know, get the grade, not to learn the content, not to find out what they're interested in. It's just all about the grade. And and then it never ends because you're getting the grades, you're celebrating the report card, you're focused on the, on the outcome, on the outcome, on the outcome, right. Which is what drives them to, you know, cheat or drives them to, you know, sacrifice social time to be perfect. Like it it drives them towards perfection. They have this fear of failing. Like that's what we're instilling in them. And we're really focusing on grades, right? It's just not everybody's going to get an A. Not every subject, you know, is good for everybody's brain. You know, (laughs) like you can't put human beings in a box and expect them to get A's in everything. I think, again, grades are information. It's like- 
awesome. Look how great you are at English. It's so natural for you. And look how great you are at writing essays. Wow. Look how great you are at math, mm-hmm. right? It's great. You know, can you also, you know, put in the effort to try to, you know, get a passing grade in these other subjects without saying that you're not smart enough? Like you don't have to be, you know, perfect in every category that this is here to guide you towards the direction in life, you know, that is natural for you. Yeah. And I think also understanding too, that like the way that we regurgitate information doesn't necessarily mean anything about our understanding of it. And so some people really struggle with certain types of tests. And, you know, I remember even when for myself, I remember being in grade seven, I want to say, I think it was right when I was in junior high and that switch from going to elementary to junior high and taking multiple choice tests, I was getting, I don't think I was failing, but I mean, I definitely, my grades had like kind of nosedived. And I remember having to go into my counselor. It's funny when I think back, like that this did exist then because she walked me through like mindfulness exercises and all of like meditation and just like getting to a calmer place to take this multiple choice exam. Because I experienced just a lot of panic when I wouldn't, especially like in math, because then if you don't have the right answer, then it's like, oh my God, I don't know anything. And it was just interesting, right? But I love that you say that. I mean, about kids and and about school and about how they are. Here's a question I have for you. And I think that it's been my experience. So I would assume that other parents have this very similar experience when you ask your kids, like, what's going on for you? Like, what's happening? Tell me why this is like what you're doing or why this is what you're experiencing. Generally, like you'll get that shutdown response. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. or I don't want to talk about this. And I'm curious about that because I think it's pretty common. Like, would you say that's common? Maybe that's just me. (laughs) No, that's, that's definitely common. And again, if we take that personally, you know, we're going to drive a a wedge even further in in the relationship. If we keep nagging and and trying to pull the information out of them, Um, a lot of times, believe it or not, they don't know. Because I'll coach with kids and and they really don't know. It's not you know, at the forefront of their minds, they don't understand what's happening and why their behavior is changing because it's way deep in their, you know, in their unconscious. So when we put them on the spot and we want to know what's going on, they they have no idea. Again, they're, they're unconsciously trying to meet their human needs. They're unconsciously, you know, reacting to their own belief system that's running in the background, right? Something mm-hmm. they saw, something they felt, somebody they're comparing themselves to, like is is creating this, you know, lack of confidence or um, you know, just this withdrawal. And they don't they don't really know what it is. Yeah. What I like to take is is to get them more on thinking about what they do want, you know, what would be better, you know, if they could change one thing, like just asking those empowering curious questions. Like you know, if you could change one thing about your life right now, like what would it be, you know, or, you know, just about the school, you know, how do you like the school or what do you, what do you think they do well? You know, what would be better? What would make your school day so much better? Like yeah. ask really curious questions because they'll be able to say what they do want versus, you know, why they're changing or why they're acting the way they're acting. You know, that's, that's like a good clue. I love that. Those are such good questions. Like, I hope anybody listening writes them down because we don't know what to ask in the moment. I think one of the like cool things about coaching, 
like really good coaches, in my opinion, ask really good questions. And I think that what you shared there is really gold because why did you do that? I mean, think about it. Like if somebody asks you half the time, we don't know. is, Is like, never ask your teenager a question that begins with why. Ah, I like it. Ever. Because as soon as you say why, like the gate closes. Why is like accusatory? Why is judgment? Right. When you ask why, you're Mm -hmm. already judging them. They feel judged. Like the fists are going to go up, the wall's going to come down, and they're going to have to defend themselves. Yeah. Or it it just asks for a a yes or no answer. It's not an open-ended question. Even though it seems like it is, but it isn't. It isn't. No, because it's going (laughs) to come down. You know, or like, um, you know, like when we start questions, like, well, what's wrong, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what were you thinking? What were you thinking? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I what were you thinking, thinking when you decided to do know. that stupid thing? And it's like, well, <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, questions that begin with how are very powerful questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, you know, and more like that lead them into a place of possibility and curiosity and not, you know, um, having to defend themselves, having to feel like yeah. less than they did something wrong. I like um, that too. Like how you mentioned, like, um, what do you like? Um, what do you want? What do you wish was different? I think those are really great questions for adults too, for that matter. They're great questions to ask yourself yeah. because we do really get so focused on what's wrong yeah. that we actually forget that it's not really, you don't have to focus there. Like you can actually build it on the other side. And that's so empowering. Like that's, I think that's why when I mentioned about adding a club for my son, I was like, instead of being like, why aren't you engaged? Right. Right. It was like, how can we make sure that you have a little bit more engagement so that school becomes a little bit more like something you want to do? Yes, exactly. It's perfect. And so I think that I love that so much because I do really believe that it's hard for kids when they always are having to perform. Like I just, I think that that's hard as adults and it's a habit that I I'm constantly working on with my clients. Like you're not a project. We don't need to fix you and Mm -hmm. you are actually okay. And we don't need to worry about all the things that happened for the last 45 years. We can like literally just decide what we're going to create right now. And I think for kids, like same, (laughs) like it's the same. It is the same. Like, I like to work with my teen clients and just, you know, get them to expand, mm-hmm. like try to get them to zoom out that this is just a tiny little, you know, speck on their timeline of life. Yeah. And that, like it, this test doesn't really matter. This grade, you know, when you're an adult, nobody's really going to ask you what you got in 10th grade in math. Like it's okay. Like expand. <laughs> Specifically it's in math. algebra. Yeah. Right. Right. It's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with you, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's information. Maybe you don't love math, but can you, you know, get through it, right? Can you build character? Can, you know, build your character. Can you, you know, put in some effort to just prove to yourself that you can do hard things like that growth mindset, mm-hmm. right? So just really zooming out. Like, wow. I know this feels like everything in your world right now. And this feels like 
because that's what happens. Like they don't have the ability to zoom out. And this feels like everything that kid that's judging them, that rejection, that, you know, F that they got, they just feel like it's the end of the world Mm -hmm. because they don't really have that ability to, you know, broaden, which is why I love to bring them into the future. Like what, you know, when you're an adult and you look back on this, like what will, what, you know, how much do you think it will matter? Yeah. You know, like when you're talking to your, your future kids about high school, you know, you think you'll remember this, right? It's hard for them to think like that though, right? Like it's not natural for them, but we can, you know, we can help them see that, you know, it's, it's interesting to get them to jump forward in their imagination to a, a better time when things all worked out and then look back on the hard thing. Right. Because now your imagination, like, you know, it, it rescues you in, in a good way. You're not thinking of the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. you know, and compounding the problem, but you're thinking of the best case scenario, like, oh, you know, your brain believes that, whether it's actually, you know, it doesn't know if it's in your imagination or not. But if they can imagine for a minute that it all worked out and then look back, now the threat is gone and they can kind of regulate you know their nervous system and not be in this state of stress and fear of you know whatever they're thinking about themselves if that makes sense (laughs) It, it totally it makes complete and total sense i mean what i'm kind of hearing you say is is you know really teaching kids those skills that they should teach in school honestly i mean it's it's bananas to me the way the world is set up because those skills, learning how to regulate your nervous system, understanding how to tap into the future, um, kind of like looking at yourself from your future self, um, being able to manage difficult emotions, understanding how to work through emotions like overwhelm, um, and and also the social skills of you know self validation and having the confidence and to be able to have boundaries and all of those things that we don't teach in school, you teach in coaching. And it's such a gift to those kids, honestly. It is a gift. When I, when teens come to me or, you know, first of all, I have three teenagers myself and, you know, I have hired coaches for them mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's different, you know, as the parent, like, I don't know, it's, they're not, you're not, you might not ever be able to get all the information out of them as their parent. Like they Mm -hmm. still need a safe place to go and talk because it could be about me and I can tell them it's safe to tell me what I'm, you know, what happened and I'm not going to react to it all day long, but you know, (laughs) they might not trust that and they might still keep information from me, but they, they need an outlet. So, but with the teens that I work with, you know, a lot of them are like really stuck in patterns of negative thought patterns, um, in, in negative beliefs about themselves. You know, they come to these conclusions about themselves based on, you know, what they're seeing around them. Very, very distracted, um, mm-hmm. can't focus on anything and then make themselves wrong for that or have their labels or their disorders that they've been, you know, identifying with and just feel like they're broken. They feel like they're not normal. They feel like they're something wrong with them. And that's one of the main things that kids will say to me is like, I I just feel like there's something wrong with me. Mm. Oh my gosh. That's so heartbreaking. I feel like there's something like it just breaks my heart. It really does. 
It really does. There's nothing wrong with you, right? But when you're comparing yourself to to all of this, you know, superficial BS, you know, the highlight reels, it's just it's just fake. It's fake news. (laughs) Not true. (laughs) It is like so. Like that's that is honestly the truth. Is that everybody's life is messy. And I think if we all could just understand the truth of that, be like, everybody has a messy life and you don't know what's happening there. You don't know what's going on for them. Nobody has it perfect. Everybody has serious issues right? and it's okay. Like, it's okay. You don't need to worry about any of that. I mean, tell me this, like, how can somebody listening to this podcast um, work with you? Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you can reach me on either Instagram or I have a Facebook group um, for parents. Uh, it's called uh, Raising Teens Without Drama and Trauma. Um, Love it. Reach me in there. You can reach me on Facebook. And I also have um, a gift for anybody that's listening today. That you Amazing. Can email in and I'll, I'll send you a free mini series for teenagers with anxiety. Um, I have, it teaches them all about understanding anxiety, um, what to do when you have it, and then how to prevent it, give some tools and skills. So it's just a little mini series, video mini series that I did on YouTube. So I have a, a link to that that I can offer them. And um, yeah, you can always just reach out to me through Messenger. Um, on any of my social media platforms under my name, Cindy Thaxton. Awesome. So yeah, you can find Cindy. Is your Instagram Cindy Thaxton? It's coach.cindythaxton. Okay. So at coach.cindythaxton or on Facebook, on your Facebook group, or, you know, just, you can connect with her on Facebook. And what I will do is I will link this all up in the show notes, including your guide, um, your series for anxiety with kids. I know kids just like adults have anxiety. So knowing what to do with that emotion is super, super powerful. Um, Cindy, thank you so much for being here. I feel like we could go on for like another hour or longer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love, um, you know, I love what you're doing and, you know, especially with teens because, you know, they get their labels and they get their disorders attached to them at such a young age. And, you know, if it weren't for people like you coaching, they would literally live, you know, the rest of their lives as their disorder. So I just really resonate with what you're doing. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you for that. You know, I think that one thing before we go is, is I just want to comment on the fact that I've known you for a long time now. And um, like, I'm thinking like, what, five years? Yeah, at least. Yeah. And um, so I've watched your business. I've watched how you've grown it. I've also watched what you've you've done with your own kids. And Cindy's the real deal. So if you're struggling, if your kid is struggling, please reach out. She's amazing. And that's all we got for you today. So I hope you guys have an amazing week and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Hey, I am so glad that you are here. Are we friends on Instagram? make sure you come find me at Fuck Your Disorder. And if you love this podcast, can you please do me a favor and leave me a rating and review? Every single one helps this podcast reach more women just like you.